Thank God for His presence, His Spirit. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. I had just been seeking the Lord and just so many different thoughts and so many different things and and uh, I've learned that I can't just preach what comes in my spirit even for a situation that I'm in because sometimes God's just talking to me. Amen. Sometimes he's just speaking to us and uh, and not the congregation. But as I began to seek the Lord, I was on my way to the gym on Friday and I put in put on my on my phone uh, a preacher he was preaching he was ministering and I I left here and got to Idaho and Imperial and I said I'm going back to the church amen (laughs) forget the gym I'm going back to the church amen I'm going to go back and I come over and he met me back here in this back office back or used to be the my office is a young adults room but he met me back there in such a beautiful way the spirit of God And he said, they that wait upon me, they're going to see. They're going to see my presence, feel my presence, experience great vision. And I'll speak to them. And then, of course, Saturday, just seeking him. And this morning, the Lord spoke to my heart. He really did. And I know that he's got something to say to us today. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, starting with verse 1, let's pray over the word of God and then we'll read it. Father, we thank you today for this privilege and honor to come, to be in your house. God, to break open the bread of life and to uh, read words of life, God, that will bring enlightenment to us. God, faith, encouragement, Lord, instruction, a challenge, even a rebuke. God, but talk to us today, I pray, from your word. Help me, Lord. Help me. I am a vessel. And Lord, I am in submission and surrendered and humbled before you. And I pray that you will anoint these lips of clay that makes preaching effective. That there will be an anointing that will break the yoke, Father God, of spiritual poverty. And Lord, of of afflictions and anxieties and fears and, and all of these things that keep us defeated, God. You've called us to be mighty warriors, not defeated foes. But Lord, I know this much, Lord, that you Lord today will speak through me and I'm asking you as I submit myself to you to have your perfect will and way and for your glory we will preach it and give you all the honor for you're worthy of it in Jesus name we ask amen and amen in 2nd Samuel chapter 23 verse 1 the Bible says now these be the last words of David David the son of Jesse said and the man who was raised up on high the anointed of of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and His word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Remember that scripture. He that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds as the tender grass springeth out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, David said, yet he hath made me an everlasting covenant. Thank God. Ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although uh, he make it not to grow. Uh, Let me just stop for a second and say, what God wants to do in totality and for eternity may not necessarily even happen in our lifetime. But if we'll stay the course, God will bring about His perfect will in our family and for the next generation. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And He goes on to say, But the sons of Belial, of the devil, shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced, must be fenced with iron, 
or filled with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Ezanite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo the Ohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave or clung unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. Amen. And after him was Shammah the son of Agi the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines but he stood Shammah stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory now I'm preaching this morning this thought the character of mighty men the character of mighty men you know you don't just Become a mighty man just because somebody says you are. You know, it takes a process of God working through a life to forge and form and create a man or woman of God that knows how to pray, knows how to use the word of God uh, against the enemy, and knows how to stand in faith. A lot of times you'll hear people And they may try to highlight somebody even in the church or somebody in their circle and talk about how great they are and they ain't never did one thing in their life for the kingdom of God. But then you see somebody that's not the gold ring. They're not somebody that's looked at at and upon as, as somebody that would be used mightily of God. But God has done great things in their life. Nobody expected David to be and do what David was and did in his life. Amen? Nobody thought anything about that. He's just a little punk shepherd kid from the sheepfold. But God was training him and making something in him on the backside of that sheepfold. Are you hearing me? God made something. There's a process. There's something it takes to become and build. God building in you and I the character of a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God. Amen? And so I'm preaching this thought and God confirmed this this morning. Somebody sent me a text and they had no idea but it was absolute confirmation. I sat there and God said, don't you question for one second what I put in your mouth. You speak it. Amen. You share it. You declare it. So this is prophetic preaching. Amen. This is prophetic. Not pathetic, but prophetic preaching. Amen. It's prophetic this morning. We need great spiritual mighty men and women in these last days. Amen. We don't need pacifists. We don't need people, amen, that have to have a safe space or need you to come in and give them a hug because they're emotionally deficient. We need people of God that are mighty, amen, that will stand in the face of the enemy, that will stand in the face of an antichrist spirit, that will stand militant and say, I'm not going to back up. I got a whole armor upon me and there ain't no Nothing on my back because I'm not supposed to run. So we need great spiritual mighty men and women in these last days. In verse 1, David speaks his last words. I think that's very, very important to take into consideration with this message because a man, when he speaks his last words, is speaking things unto you and I that he knows he'll never get to say again, so I've got to make it a very weighty statement and a very weighty thing that I say. And David began to speak, and the words that he spoke were powerful, and they were a pattern 
turned to us. And they defined the mighty in God. He said in verse 3, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Amen. Ruling over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. What he is saying is, in order, first of all, David was a mighty man himself. And he had mighty men that came. We remember we've read about the cave of Dolom, how they came. And they were a broken down mess. But God, through David, began to create a mighty army. Great mighty men of valor. Great mighty men of God that began to stand and and, and fight for the cause of, of God. The cause of Jehovah. But he makes this statement as somebody that knew what it was to be a great king over a great nation and over great men. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. He did not say, he that ruleth over men must be loving, even though we must be. He didn't say he that ruleth over men must be compassionate, even though we must be. But he said, he that ruleth over men must be just and in the fear of God. I do not want to diminish any aspect of God's character to Today. He is a God of love. He is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. But he, He's a lot of things if you read the Word. But He is a just God. He is a God, amen, who has justice. And you and I have been around this life long enough to know that even though He's a just God and the justifier and He's a God of justice, not everybody understands God's justice. When Jesus cleansed the temple, there were those, I can tell you, who said that was mean. Amen. There were people that said, he shouldn't have done that. Go in there and flip those tables over and all those people's business. I can tell you, he said, this is my house, my cause. Amen. And you're not going to make it something that it's not supposed to be. You're not going to misrepresent what God intended His church to be. So He flipped over those tables and He did it twice. In the beginning of His ministry and at the end of His ministry. But there were people I can tell you that said that was mean. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of things that we're to stand for that people will say you're mean. I'm going to tell you God's not mean. He's just. He's just. They thought it was harsh. They thought it was mean. Why? Because they don't see or know what God does. They don't see or know what God does. You know, the devil, I can tell you, I can tell you, God and His Holy Spirit is a gentleman, but the devil is not a gentleman. And so you got to come on strong against the enemy. Amen. That's why there's, there's the words rebuke in the Word of God and bind. You see these, these scriptures in this language because Satan is not a gentleman, but he must be fought back at. A lot of everybody understands this. They want a Presbyterian message. Well, I can tell you, you're in a Pentecostal church and we fight the good fight of faith. Amen. We realize and we know that we're in a spiritual warfare and you can't tiptoe through the tulips but you've got to stand square footed in the face of the enemy and begin to fight back against all of hell that has come against your life, your church, and your family. Amen. Amen. I remember years ago, Brother Talbert told the story about how he first went to the Philippines and he was in the Philippines preaching and they were establishing a church and there was a 90, I believe 90 or 91 year old man that went with him and they were walking down the street and they saw these two Filipino guys and they looked like they were drunk and they're just kind of swaying back and forth and and, and that old man, he stepped back and he walked back and he said boys he was about 10 or 15 feet away from me. he said you come any closer to me I'll knock your block off here they come that old 91 year old man lifted back that arm with all of that little bit of flesh and sinew he had of muscle and he popped one of them guys and gave him a bloody nose and they ran off like squalling dogs Brother Talbert looked at him and he said, why did you do that? 
He said to protect us from getting mugged. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, he said the Bible says to turn the other cheek. And that old man said, don't you start quoting that Bible to me. I've been here and done that a lot longer than you have. And he said, I'd rather stand before God for punching a man out for trying to steal $10,000 that's in my pocket to build a church to reach the lost in in a lost world you know, and bring them to Christ. I'd rather stand before God and, and, and Him say you shouldn't have punched him out than to stand before Him and Him say you let those two drunks steal your money that I gave you to put into the kingdom of God. People don't always understand God's justice. They don't understand what's behind what people do sometimes. But church, I'm going to tell you, they don't understand when you say, you're not going to date my daughter, or you're not going to date my son, or you're not going to come through here and wreak havoc in this house and bring that ungodly spirit into my family. You're not going to do it. Oh, they're mean. They don't love Jesus. They don't show Jesus yes they do they love their children enough to say I'm not going to give them to the devil now there's only one way to deal with the enemy of God and that's head on Jesus rebuked Peter and he told him get behind me Satan I bet you there were all we're thinking what Because he was saying, Jesus, don't say that you're going to be crucified. Don't say that they're going to kill you. Don't say that. We don't want to lose you. You're doing a great work for the kingdom of God. And Jesus began to turn to him and said, Satan, I rebuke you. You don't savor the things that are of God. You savor the things that are of the enemy. You don't savor what God savors. We must realize there is an agenda from hell and it takes a mighty man of God to discern it to fight it and to know what it takes to win. In verses 6 and 7, he says this. He says, But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced or filled with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. Let me just share with you today, this fight that we fight is not a carnal fight. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's a spiritual fight. It's not fought with hands, do you hear me? But it's fought on our knees. It's fought in the prayer closet. Are you hearing me today? It's fought at a place that a lot of people don't understand, but that's where it's fought. He said in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and then over in Ephesians chapter 6 This is a beautiful scripture. We quote it all the time. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We need the whole armor of God in the evil day that we're living in. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins skirt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The helmet of salvation take it and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice he said, in the Spirit we must be people full of the Holy Ghost if we're going to pray in the Spirit and see God move in the Spirit. (laughs) 
What we learn from David's top three men is their resolve, their courage, their faith. We just read the three men in the latter part of 2 Samuel chapter 23. The latter part of our reading. The reality. I said their resolve, their courage, their faith, their spiritual grit. Church, we have to have a spiritual grit in our life today. Or we're not going to make it. Amen. Some woke person's going to come up and tell you that you're wrong and you don't show love. Well, let me tell you something. The love of God tells me to preach the Word of God. And the Word of God is against what you believe. And so I'm not being unloving. Actually, I'm showing real love because I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) I'm telling you the way it is in the Word of God. If you choose not to believe that, that's fine. But God is not some God over here that has some kind of a psychological mindset or humanistic way of thinking that's contrary to His Word. Even though the church has become a church age that is, is, is speaking things that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God. The reality that we're fighting for the just cause of Christ. Christ is what God wants to bring about today in your life. Not our fleshly thoughts. Not our carnal feelings. Not our emotions. Brother Clendenin used to preach. He was the greatest man of God I ever sat under in my life. And he said, you got to be careful. He said, because you'll get somebody in the church that rather than surrender their life and die to themselves and and repent of their sin, they want to make excuses for this. Oh, I can't help myself. I can't overcome it. And they'll get somebody, they'll get some saint of God over in a corner and they'll cry crocodile tears and the next thing you know your conviction will go by the wayside because you're wanting to be compassionate well let me tell you something we need to show compassion and love but it should never overrun the conviction and the commandment of the Lord Amen. This nonsense that God loves the sinner but hates the sin. He hates sin and He hates when people sin. It's a scripture in Psalms. Oh, pastor, you're too hard. I'm telling you the truth. Because see, what people do is they develop this mindset that I can come to Christ and I can live any way that I want to because Jesus loves me. Well, He does love you and He wants you to change. He doesn't want us to stay that way. And it has to be preached or people will continue to live beneath what Jesus paid for at Calvary's cross. Now listen. It's not our fleshly thoughts. Not our carnal feelings. But what God deems as just and as a just fight. Hear me. To fight against abortion is a just fight. And if you disagree with that, you need to pray through. Because what you're saying is that what God says is wrong and what you say or the government says or a Democrat or Republican Party says is right. Wrong. God is right. The Bible's right. And there's this fight now that we're seeing. And the fight against abortion is a just fight. It's the justice of God. Amen. I don't think there's a greater fight than the fight for the innocent that can't fight for themselves. But here we live in a time when the liberals don't think the way the Bible talks and thinks. They say we're mean. It's only a choice if it agrees with them. Well, doesn't the baby have a choice is my question. Doesn't the innocent that cannot defend themselves have a choice? Yes, it must be preached. And they'll say, well, you're, you're mean because you're trying to take away somebody's right. Nobody has a right to kill somebody else. Amen! You should be applauding as Christian people. Nobody has a right to kill somebody else. To take their life. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Reading this, listen. Reading this. Innocence deserves greater protection That's the justice of God. I'm trying to prove a point here and say something because I want you to carry this over into your spiritual life. 
okay? Because there's a fight against that which comes to attack God, His people, His church, His vision, the kingdom of God. And we have to stand in the face of it. Amen. We have to stand in the face of it. Three men are written down as mighty men. What defines their greatness? Well, I'm going I'm to share with you one by one. Adino was the first one. The Bible says, David said he lift up his spear and he slew 800 men at one time. That's a powerful, powerful exploit. Amen. That's a powerful thing to take out the enemy of God in that Old Testament. But it was either the enemy of God or it was the kingdom of God. And David said, we've got to fight against the army that's come to fight against us. Amen. That's come. And so Adino lifted up his spear and slew 800 men at one time. What does that indicate to you and I? Well, the revelation that I get is that that means prayer. We lift up our hands in prayer. We lift up our hands in worship and worship is a, is a type of prayer. Uh, but but he lifted up his hands. And I just want you to take that away with you today from this message that it takes prayer to see the enemy sent to flight. Amen. You and I can pray the prayer of faith. We can lay on our face and watch the enemy. Amen. Begin to split. If one can take a thousand, two, ten thousand, think about what the prayers of the church can do if we'll just get before God. We'll see him move in a mighty way there are people sitting in here today you are delivered and I'm going to tell you why you're delivered because your pastor and many others sat in their prayer closet and wept and cried and moaned and interceded for your soul and you stand here today delivered from the enemy delivered from drug addiction delivered from alcoholism because somebody a man prayed and sought God and in a service God delivered you my God he slew 800 men prayed them through to victory it's what God's calling us to do the warfare is to push back I've been in prayer before and I begin to bind a specific situation or a circumstance or, or, or praying against something. And I'm telling you, the intimidator comes to try to intimidate. I said, devil, you can bring that fear all you want. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Amen. I'm coming back with you with the word. <laughs> God's not given me a spirit of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. I'm not afraid. Jesus said, fear not. Amen. The angel said, fear not. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be intimidated. I've got God not only on my side, but within me. Amen. Greater is he that's in me that's in you. But the intimidation will come. The fear will come. And you got to fight against that. And it takes prayer. It demands prayer. Reading this, if it takes 800 prayer meetings, it's worth it. 800 men he slew with them hands in the air. With that spear in his hand and in the air. Amen. He's got that hand up. We've got those hands up in prayer. God, please get a hold of them. Please get a hold of them. God, touch them. Or maybe you're struggling with something in your own life, but you say, I've been here 799 times, Pastor. I'm just wondering, is it ever going to end? But every time you came, you got up in victory, and you walked in victory. That's a victory that you didn't have or you wouldn't have had had you not went to prayer in the first place. You got to keep praying. I don't care what you're up against. I don't care if it's a homosexual spirit. I don't care if it's a lustful spirit. I don't care if it's an adulterous spirit or a vanity spirit or a, a, a covetous spirit or a lion spirit or an addictive spirit. You've got to keep getting up and keep praying until you see the victory.
One thing I learned a long time ago. The devil tries to come back. So just accept that fact. And be ready. Amen. I know there's instantaneous deliverances for all the theologians. I think I don't know what I'm talking about. I know there's an instantaneous deliverance. I know that we're redeemed. I know the blood washes us. But I also know the Spirit of God sanctifies us. And it's a lifelong process. At least it has been with me. And folks, I've been around you a long time too. And it's the same with you. And everybody I've ever ministered to or been around before. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. So, keep fighting. Keep slaying in the Spirit by your prayer life. Your children will come to God. Amen. You will walk in victory. If you don't quit... God won't quit. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't quit, God won't quit. He's going to pick you up every time. Seven times a righteous man may fall, but he gets right back up. A man of God is a man of prayer. A person that's victorious gets back up. Eleazar was the second one. He arose and he smote the Philistines with one hand, cleaving to the sword. Well... That's the word of God. Amen. One had his hands up in the air. The other one had the sword in his hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the word. The wisdom of God's word always defeats the enemy. Are you hearing me? I preached it several weeks ago or months ago or six months ago. I don't even remember. But the word of God begins to pierce us deep and it divides soul and spirit. It brings and surfaces that which is spirit and that which is soulish. Are you hearing me? God wants us to operate in the power of his spirit, not in our soul. That's what Adam and Eve were. They sunk down to the depravity of the soul. But the spirit of God, amen, come alive when we get born again and God wants the word of God to dig deep, down deep within us. Listen, buckle your seatbelt. He wants to divide and show you what is flesh or what is soul and that which is spiritual. Because whenever you're in your soul, you'll say, that's mean. He's preaching mean. No, I'm preaching so you can get free. And Solomon was confronted with two harlots. You've read the story. Two harlots, two babies. One mama rolled over on her baby in the middle of the night and killed it. So she slid over there to the other room, took the living baby, put the dead baby in her arms, and went back to sleep. The next day, those two harlots got up. And that woman that had the dead baby now in her bed said, this ain't my child. He don't look like me. Ain't got my hairline. Amen. I don't care what anybody says other than my eyeballs. My little granddaughter looks just like me. I told them the moment I saw her, I said, she's got PJ hair, I promise you. I've combed that fine, thin, feather hair my whole life. Amen. My mom used to say I had poker straight hair. I never knew what poker straight was. And I never played poker. So, But here's my straight hair. I look at that baby and I go, She's, I've even had people tell me, oh my goodness, I saw a picture of her. She looks just like you with brown eyes. I said, I've been telling everybody that. She is going to be a beautiful woman when she gets older. She's a beautiful baby, but my Lord, she is going to be easy on the eyes, I promise. Solomon said, bring the live baby here. They're bickering back and forth. And he picked up that baby by the foot, the live one, grabbed the sword, Representatory of the representing the word of God. 
And he said, we're going to find out the truth here. The Word of God always exposes the truth. And it exposes what's not true in your life. Amen. And so when he raised that sword up and that baby was there, the real mama jumped out. She said, please don't kill the baby. Give him to her. I'd rather her have him and live than him die so that I can usurp my rights. He began to deal in truth from the word of God. That's what that sword does. It deals with our heart. It deals with the things that are not of God. It deals with the things that we've convinced ourselves we're right in. Amen. Amen. Jesus told him, he said, search ye the scriptures. He said, in them you think you have eternal life. And guess what? They speak of me. Ooh, they didn't like it. I can tell you, the truth, knowing the truth, and the truth is a person will set you free. The sword of the word, the sword of the word gets to the problem in us dividing soul and spirit and it reveals to us the error of our ways. We must covet the word of God so deeply and, so, and let it so deeply work in our hearts so that there is no controversy and no misrepresentation and no hypocrisy in our life. Hear me. The third one was Shammah, the third man. Shammah stayed faithful in the fight. When the people fled from the Philistines, the Philistines are always... He, he, he fought and the people fled. The people that were around him fled from the Philistines and from the fight. And whenever you read or study about the Philistines, and I know I'm, I'm covering a lot of ground here and, and, and a lot of paraphrasing, but I'm trying to make my point. Philistines are always the enemy called the flesh. The uncircumcised Philistines. Go back to 1 Samuel 17 when David is down in the valley of Elah. He's down there and, the, the, and Goliath is defying the God of Israel. He's defying Israel, the people of Israel, the army of Israel. And they're down there in the trenches hiding because the giant of the Philistines has come to bring intimidation and bring fear and threatening. That's what the uncircumcised Philistine is. Always intimidating. Always threatening. Always touting fear. And this is our internal fight. Listen church. God wants to say something to you today. This is our internal fight. It's not another person. It's our flesh. Because no matter what somebody does to you, what you do with it is the only thing that matters. Well, they shouldn't be that way. I realize that. We all shouldn't be a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, when we stand before God, we're not going to be able to say they were mean to me or they rejected me or they this or they that. Whether they're a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a church member, a pastor, you're going to have to stand before God and what you did in your heart and your life concerning Jesus. And church, let me just share something with you. You want victory and deliverance? Get over what people say and do to you and how they treat you and walk in victory. You will walk in victory no matter who does what. I have to be in victory for myself because this is what God's called me to do. And the greatest fight is an internal fight. And Shammah was fighting against the Philistines, he was fighting against the uncircumcised Philistine. And this is our eternal fight. Shammah means ruin. His name means waste. His name means desolate. Look it up in the Strong's Concordance. His name means, and comes from the word shambles. Or we get the word shambles from the root word. But his name means ruin, desolate, waste. The guy was named this due to being born at a horrible time because everybody, for the most part, in the Old Testament was named according to 
what was going on. And, and their name denotes character. Okay? And Shammah's name, just like uh, when Eli and his boys died and the ark was taken, his daughter-in-law was having that baby. And she, they said, the Spirit of the Lord's gone. She said, Named him, name him Ichabod. The Spirit of the Lord has departed. The Spirit of the Lord has departed. So Shammah was born at a time. It was probably famine. It was probably, they probably had ten kids. And here comes another one. And they said, I'm telling you. Or maybe it was a time of defeat. Maybe it was a time and a season in his family's life. I don't know why they named him that. But I will tell you this much. He overcame the stigma of his name. He overcame the stigma of his name. Amen. There's people in here you need to overcome the stigma of your name, the stigma of your past. You've got to do that. You've got to hear what your pastor's saying today. He had to overcome the definitions, the past definitions of himself, the past stigmas, the past failures. David said in verse 7 of chapter 23, the mighty men have iron in their souls. They will not give up. They have iron. It's filled them. They're fenced in with iron. In other words, they're not going to allow anything to take them out. Shammah said, I know that my name means worthless. I know it means desolate. I know it means ruin. I know it means waste. But bless God, I know the God of Israel and I'm going to stand here in this lintel patch and I'm not going to allow the devil to intimidate me and tell me that I cannot fight and God is not with me because the all the old Philistine army is screaming it represents the heart of the flesh we have to circumcise that heart and come and say God I'm not going to allow my emotions to dictate my life I'm not going to allow when somebody said so and so was talking about me to destroy me. Let them talk about me. I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. He called me to fight the good fight of faith. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get so bogged down with all these fleshly things that you cannot be who God called you to be. A conqueror, an overcomer, a mighty warrior. And he said, I'm going to stand in this lintel patch. Because you know what? Just look at the typology in the scripture. We use the hands raised as prayer. We use the sword in the hand as the word of God. And now we've got a man that's standing in a lintel patch. What he's saying is, I am not going to allow the enemy to rob me of my harvest. I am not going to allow the enemy to rob me of my harvest. I have a harvest. There were times that I got on my knees and I said, Lord... That boy, I don't know what he's doing privately, but it ain't right. Something ain't right. And I said, devil, you're not going to take my children. You understand me? Let's get this straight right now, Slewfoot. You're not taking my children. I dedicated them unto the Lord. They belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to fight for what you, what you mean something to you. You got to fight for what's important to you. You got to fight for your harvest. And so you got to stand in the face of the enemy in prayer. And yes, there were things that we had to do on the external. You can't go here. You can't do this. I remember one night Kyle was going to go out. I'll never forget it. He was going to go out. And something in my spirit, the Holy Ghost knows how to talk to parents. Come on! He knows how to talk to parents. And there was something in me, you know. And, and, and I walked up to him and I said, where are you going? I'm just going to go hang out with my friends or whatever. And I said, son, I want to tell you right now. I said, I don't care who asks you to get in their car. Don't get in it. Don't drive it. Don't get in it. You need to hear what your dad is saying. Well, he come home. and he, I don't even remember all the story. 
Because there was a lot of them. Amen. <laughs> Not too many. <laughs> he knows I love him. <laughs> Amen. Bless his heart. <laughs> it's hard being a PK. Amen. <laughs> but he came home and he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. And I said, I believe it. Amen. They were drag racing. They were this. They were that. You know, and I don't know if the cops showed up or somebody had an accident or what. I don't know what happened. But he said, I, I heard your words ringing in my ear. Don't get in that car. And he said, I didn't. I said, praise God. Devil's not going to steal my harvest. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And I'm not going to allow the stigma of my past, the emotions of the past, to cause me to always be broken down. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Amen. He's called me to be a victor. And sometimes you got to cast down imaginations. Well, you always got to cast down imaginations. Those things will come. And you know what the devil does? He makes things always so much bigger than what they are. He magnifies everything. Amen. He magnifies everything. Makes it look so overwhelming. I'm going to tell you something. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. What you need to see moved in your life, the mountain, amen, that needs to be moved, that needs to be bulldozed over, God will give you the power in His spirit to see it come to pass. Are you a mighty man today? Are you a mighty woman of God? Are you one of prayer? Are you one of the word? Listen, are you one that's going to stand in the face of the enemy and say, you're not going to take and steal my harvest because I'm going to fight to the death. And it's not going to be death. It's going to be life. It's going to be resurrection. It's going to be victory. I believe Oshama had to fight his own internal fears and insecurities, the mental limitations. Did you hear me? Mental limitations. Some people can't get past mental limitations. I'm limited because every time I try to do something, I hear the voice of whatever, whoever, whenever it was in my life that told me I couldn't. Amen. The devil attacks our minds more than anything. Unbelief is crippling. We all battle the enemy, magnifying every problem, but I can tell you, we serve the overcomer. Jesus overcame on the cross of Calvary. And he said, all power has been given unto me. I give that to you. Amen. You and I, greater things than these shall you do. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick. <laughs> Amen. They'll recover. Make disciples everywhere you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, church, it's not even so much sometimes what we say. It's who we are. This fellow that's helping me and trying to train me and get me into a smaller waist size... I sit across the table from him and we cut up and we joke and everything, but he's, he's, he's not where he needs to be. I'm just going to tell you out of his own mouth. And I sat there and I said, you know, I said, he said, you just kind of, I said, you know, I just come from prayer. He just kind of looked up. I said, just come from prayer. And I said, the Lord really met me today, Justin. He met me. I said, God, just touch me. And I said, I want you to know something. I said, I take very serious my relationship with God. I do. And he goes, I can tell. And I said, I just, I, I just, it's a very serious thing. And I said, you know, I'm trying to minister to him, trying to talk to him and bring him to a place of reality. Amen. You know, God will give you an audience with people. And if you got something to say, he'll give you an audience. You cannot allow the things in your life to cripple you, unbelief. I've had to realize, amen, it's not the Israel that fled from Shammah. A lot of times people say, I'm the only one. No, you're not, Elijah. I got 7,000 haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. 
All of Israel fled. But that cannot be what holds you back. Whether anybody else in the church does anything for God, what difference does that make to you? They're supposed to. I'm not preaching. I'm not, I am preaching a message to you individually today to take. We have to stand in the face of the enemy in this hour because everything is to come and rob us of our faith, of our confidence, of our joy, of our power. Everything is to come and rob you of that. That's why there has to be messages like this preached. Amen. It's the uncircumcised Philistine. It's my heart, the flesh that's still in my heart. Jeremiah said it, and Jeremiah 4.3, circumcised the foreskin of your heart. Remove that. Amen. That way you can see and understand correctly. Amen. Correctly. Sham approved no matter what others do. It doesn't matter. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's your fight for God. It's His just cause. And if people in new life are the gauge of my spirituality, I'm in trouble. Because man will fail you. God will never fail you. There's a harvest we must fight for. And it's about the kingdom of God. We must fight we must pray. We must utilize the word of God. But we must fight the good fight. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. God did not call us to lay down in defeat. He called us to be overcomers. Read the messages to the church. It's a spiritual thing we're fighting against. We are in an, a, um, a day where the Antichrist spirit has been unleashed. I'm telling you. But you know what? God is working. He's working. I'm watching Christian people that are becoming something I've never seen them become before for God. Not that I never thought that they would, but we're, I'm seeing it come to pass right before my eyes. I'm watching them grow and mature and, and become spiritual giants, young men and women of God. We've got some great young people in this church, young adults that are on fire for God. I can tell you, get around these young adults. There's, there's a fire. There's a, there's a fervency. There's a stirring. Amen. God's doing something. And he said, that's the generation I'm going to raise up. I'm going to use. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, young people, young adults. God has his hand upon you. His anointing is upon you. Amen. I hear you pray. I watch you. I'm like, my Lord, there's something powerful here. And you cannot let anything stop you. The apostle Paul was stoned and left for dead. And you know what? The Bible says that they all stood around him there in the book of Acts. And they just kind of looked at him. And he crawled out from underneath that rock pile. And he said, you know what? Let's keep on going, boys. Amen. God, he didn't let that stop him. Amen. He said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bit. Amen. I've been, you know, stoned and left for dead. I've been beaten with stripes many times. I've suffered everything. I've suffered things in the church. I've suffered things outside the church. I fought the beast of Ephesus. I've been there and done that and experienced so much. But let me tell you, amen, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel, amen. Woe unto me if I preach not the word of God. I've got a message. I've got the answer. It's Jesus. He is the answer. His power, His authority, His victory in me. And church, victory begets victory. People will see that you are victorious and they will want that same victory. They will want what you've got and you've got to give that to them, church. We've got to live that before them. They overcame him who? The devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I have a testimony because of the blood of the lamb, because of the power of the spirit of God. I was preaching in Nigeria sharing my testimony about how God healed me falling 20 feet from a ladder in this church on my head cracked my skull in two places bleeding on the brain almost in a coma God raised me up out of that hospital bed healed by the power of God not medical science not doctors not anything but God amen but God he raised me up 
He healed me because he told me, Jonathan, you can sit here and die or you can get up out of this bed, take up your bed and walk. And I put my feet on the ground and I started walking. And the more I walked, the more I was healed. And I walked all the way around that hospital healed by the power of God. I fell on Tuesday, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday. No, it was Monday. I fell Monday at 7 o'clock. Thursday morning, they sent me home. Amen. They said, this guy, he won't sit down. He won't. We can't keep him in bed. I went to Nigeria. I preached my testimony. A woman got healed in the service. Nobody touched her. Nobody prayed for her. She came to that service and said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, not mine, his, I know I'll be healed. But it took a testimony of somebody in victory that brought the healing. That it's possible for me. If it's possible for him, it's possible for me. I preached at my Uncle Joe's. A man was in the service, came up at the end of the service. Me and Sister Skiles, you know, they have three services there. I thought, man, it's just like drive through. But I thought, how can God move in the midst of this? We both kind of thought that. But you know what? God works around our perimeters. Amen. He'll work beyond our perimeters. He's not bound. Word of God's not bound. Got up to preach at that second service. They had a little prayer at the end. A man came up to me weeping. He couldn't even control himself. I'm I'm thinking, my goodness. He said, sir, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, 18 months ago in Afghanistan, I lost my hearing in this ear. And he said, when you were sharing your testimony... And he said, when you said, I put my foot down on the ground, he said, when that thud went on the ground of that stage, he said, that ear went. <laughs> Nobody touched him. Nobody prayed over him. He reached out and touched God. Church, I'm going to tell you something. God deserves and wants all the glory, and he's going to get it. He's going to get it. Amen. He said, I don't need another person putting up a tent saying they got a healing ministry. I don't need that. I just need people to operate in the things of God. I need them to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and the healing. Amen. Just preach it. They'll be touched. Victory begets victory. Shama preserved a heritage and a harvest for years to come. How about you and I? So many lives depend on what we do. This morning, You say, you know what, in this generation, and I'm talking to some young adults in here. I'm talking to everybody. God's talking to everybody. But young adults in here, let me tell you something. The enemy wants to destroy your resolve and your vision. And some of you in here, you've, you're kind of at a place where you're like, I don't know where to go from here, God. I don't know what's next. God is saying to you, develop yourself in this place. In this altar, develop yourself in the word. Develop yourself. He's developing you and fighting for things that matter in your life. Fighting for things that are, that are his justice and for the cause of his justice. For the cause of Christ. You have to, in this hour, let God develop you. And that's what he wants to do. Amen. That's what he wants to do. Praise the name of the Lord this morning. Do you want to be a mighty man or woman of valor? I'm going to tell you right now, ain't no preacher going to come up and lay hands on you and make you a mighty man or woman of valor. It's going to take somebody knowing God for themselves. And then he's going to make room for them. As the Bible says, that gift in you, God will make room for that gift out of Proverbs 16 or 18. He'll make room for you and he'll open up the door for you to walk through it. Amen. He's doing something in you in the backside of the sheepfold, but he's going to raise up David's. He's going to raise up Joshua's. Come on now. He's going to raise up Joshua's. He's raising up Daniel's. He's raising up Timothy's. He's raising up men and women of God. He's raising up Ruth's. Are you hearing me, ladies? God has not discounted you. Uh -uh. Oh, no. He's got women of God sitting in this church. He's got women of God. He's developing. He's making. He's doing something in them. You've got to stand for the Lord. And you've got to know the enemy wants to fight and try to deplete you of your faith. But you cannot let him. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Heaven's worth it all. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Amen. Lupe, come up here. Help me out. Church, would you just stay in the attitude of prayer? Would you just stay in the attitude of prayer? Almighty God, help us today. Help us today, Lord. Minister today. Have thine own will and way today, Father. Move by your mighty power and by your mighty spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My God, my God. Come on up here, sis. Church, if you're in this house and you say, I want God to move in my life, come fill this altar. Fill this altar. Oh, mighty God, mighty God.